there is stuff out there. Um, and thank you for showing mercy. <laughs> there is stuff out there, believe me. Um, well, cool. Well, thank you guys so much for that. Um, I'm pumped. I'm excited about what God's doing at BFC. I'm excited about what God is doing. Uh, someone asked me uh, not too long ago, like, what's, you know, what's your leadership style? Um, and I was like, my leadership style is this. I just, I just want to hear what the Lord's doing and do that and try not to mess it up. That's my leadership style. That, that's it. I just want to grow close to the Lord and, and you know, um, and do what he says. I think that's the best leadership program anyone can be on. And so that's my goal. I pray that it's yours as well. Um, we are finishing up our, um, our series, What Do You Want From Me? Uh, and we're doing our, uh, our last entry um, called Get Over Yourself. Have y'all enjoyed this series? That, yeah, it's, been, it's, it's really been challenging to me. Uh, you know, if you haven't heard any of it so far, uh, what we've been doing is we've been taking a big step back. And we've been saying, Lord, instead of telling us where you want us to work, who you want us to marry, uh, the details of our life, we're going to take a step back and say, what kind of person do you want me to be? What do you really want from me in life? And we've been looking at Micah chapter 6, verse 8, um, which, where the prophet Micah says to the people of Israel, we want, uh, God wants, there's three things God wants from you. And this is what he says. He says, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. To do justly, love mercy, and walk hum- humbly. And I've renamed these things maybe a little bit more the way that we would say them today. Do the right thing. Don't be a jerk and get over yourself. Do the right thing. And we learned, we, we talked two weeks ago about doing the right thing. To do the right thing, we've got to do what God says. We've, we, we've, we've got to do what God does. And then we've got to do what we say we're going to do. It's just doing the right thing. It's hard to do that, but it's the right thing to do. We also talked about love, mercy, or don't be a jerk. We learned last week that we've got to change our perspective. We've got to change our attitude. We've got to change our words so that we properly represent the change that God is doing inside of us. So this morning, we're going to talk about walk humbly or get over yourself. Have you ever told someone to get over themselves? Have you ever been told, hey, get over yourself? If you haven't, you probably should have. <laughs> you probably should have. Because this is something that we all deal with. We have a natural disposition to be obsessed with ourselves. We have a natural disposition uh, to be me-focused. Uh, and so we get over ourselves by choosing to walk humbly with the Lord. And so I, I want to, we say walk humbly and humility, and there's, there's a little bit of misconception about what humility actually is. And so I want to I define humility, and here's the definition. Humility is accurately determining who's in charge and acting accordingly. Humility is accurately determining who is in charge and then acting accordingly. Okay, that's what humility is. Now, sometimes it's you. Sometimes the Lord has allowed you to be in charge. And so you walk with the knowledge and the awareness that although you may be in charge, ultimately he is in charge. And that's that's true humility. 
Okay? Uh, the opposite of humility is pride. And pride is, is all throughout Scripture is something that we are to avoid, not just avoid, but to run from like the plague. And just, the, the, there's so many scriptures about how the, the Lord hates a haughty look, right? There's, that's in the Old Testament. It talks about pride and all that kind of stuff. Um, humility, humility accurately determines who's in charge. A prideful person says, I'm in charge. Or a prideful person takes credit takes the sole credit for something good, ignoring those that helped along the way. Many of you have been in a business situation or a work or job situation where there's someone that's taking credit for what you've been a part of, right? But they take the full credit, and, and, and that's pride. That's not humility. Humility always acknowledges others. Always acknowledges others. Hum- humility operates... Under a heart of dependence instead of independence. A heart of dependence on God, not independence and just self-reliance. There's several verses, and we won't turn there for the sake of time. You can write them down. Verse Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up. New King James says, exalt you in due time, in the right time. Now, interestingly, it says that he may lift you up. That's not a guarantee, is it? It's dependent on something else. So God exalting you and lifting you up is dependent on someone, which is you, doing something, which is walk in humility. Do you see that? So who determines whether or not God exalts you? We do. We do, right? We are the ones that determine that. Matthew 23, 12 says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You know, you find in the kingdom, in God's way of doing things, many times it's opposite. It's, it's a flipped, it's an upside-down kingdom. And, and, and the way to achieve success in the world is, is many times, those of you who worked in a corporate environment like I did for a long time, is by stepping on the backs of others. Right, survival of the fittest, taking care of me, looking out for me and me alone. But that's not kingdom. That's not a kingdom mentality. In the kingdom, if you humble yourself, again, you accurately recognize that that Jesus is in charge, and then you act accordingly. Those people are the ones that God promotes. That God promotes. James four six says, "God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." God resists the proud, you've heard this before probably, but gives grace to the humble. I looked up the word resist. I was actually talking to to Tiffany about this last night. It's such a crazy word. The the word to resist is, in the same passage or or nearby, it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Y'all with me? All right, not the same word. See, this is where it helps to do a little study. So resist the devil and flee from him means kind of like to ignore or to shun, all right? But this scripture, God resists the proud, it literally means he positions himself in opposition to. Whoa. That means, has anyone ever played chess? Okay, I taught my kids how to play chess, and it's awesome because I can still beat them. Um, 
But I've been playing chess on my phone with some friends. And y'all, I'm getting like, I'm getting killed. It's like not fun anymore for me. (laughs) I'm not used to losing that much, right? And so I'm like, I'm about to quit. But in chess, if the different pieces make different moves. And and so when you make a move, then your opponent is going to make an opposing move trying to cut off what you're trying to do on the chessboard, okay? When you walk in pride, God literally moves to block you. That's crazy. That means this is something, humility, getting over yourself, walking humbly before God is something we need to always be aware of. We don't ever want to make a move that, that, because God's going to keep his word, he's not a liar. We don't want to make a move that requires God to move in opposition to us. We don't want to do that. Now, Here's a common misunderstanding about humility. There's something that we call false humility. False humility. Now let's just, let's just draw a distinction here. False humility is tearing yourself down in order to exalt another. God is not asking you to do that. That's not humility. You don't, in order to act like your boss at work is the boss, you don't have to insult yourself, do you? No. You don't walk into your boss's office and say, hey, I'm terrible. What's going on today? No, you say, hey, you're the boss. What's going on today? And so there's this false humility that's crept into the church that makes us think that we need to tear ourselves down in order to lift Jesus up. That's not true. It's false humility, and it's actually very damaging to the church. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not saying that you don't have worth or value. It's not saying, I've heard people pray prayers, well, Lord, I'm just a, a worm in your presence. No, you're not. That's not scripture. I've heard people say, Lord, I'm just a sinner. If you've got Jesus inside of you, you need to get this. You're not a sinner. Now, you're a saint. Now, you sin. (laughs) You still have sin, all right? Or you don't actually have sin, technically, theologically. You sin. You commit the acts of sin, but you're not a sinner. You no longer have sin. It's been removed. Jesus was the propitiation. He was the whiteout for your sin. And so humility is not just saying, I'm a worm, I'm no good, I'm a wretch. That's, that's not humility, that's false humility. And like I said, it, it does a lot of damage. Besides the, fact, besides the fact that you are still in the limelight. Well, I'm no good. I'm not worthy. I, I, I. Who are you talking about still? Yourself. And your, your focus, instead of being on the one, again, accurately determining who's in charge and acting accordingly, your focus is on you in false humility instead of on God in real humility. And we see this happen. How many times, and don't raise your hand, but how many times have you been... In a, in a service like we had earlier where God's moving, you know, people are beginning to share, and you feel like you've got something from God to share. 
Maybe you saw an image in your head or maybe you had an impression or or a word and you thought, well, I'm just, they don't really, you know, they don't really care what I have to say. And have you ever done, I've, I've done that before. And I've talked myself out. The Holy Spirit was trying to speak to others through me. And I disqualified, disqualified myself uh, in, in false humility. Well, God can't use, use me. How powerful do you think God is? I mean, he used all sorts of people in Scripture. All sorts of things in Scripture. And so false humility will rob us of our ability to minister. And even more than that, it will rob God of, of his word. That he, I mean, how dare we not share when God speaks something through us? How dare we tell him, you know what, God, your blood wasn't enough. You're wrong to give me this word. How dare we do that? That's false Humility. So do you see how false humility can actually hurt the church? It's telling Jesus your blood was not enough. It's saying your blood didn't fully cleanse me. And if we're accurately determining who's in charge and acting accordingly, Jesus says you're a saint, you're a child of the Most High, you are joint heirs with Jesus. And if you're not acting like that, then you're not acting in humility. Does does that make sense? And so we, we don't want to walk in false humility. We want to walk in true humility. So I'm going to give you three ways that we can learn to get over ourselves. Three ways for us to get over ourselves. First of all, you've got to understand authority. In order to get over yourself, in order to walk humbly, you've got to understand the concept of authority. Now, uh, you can make your way to Matthew 28, 18. It's a familiar, familiar passage. But authority is the right to make and enforce the rules. Authority is the right to make the rules and the right to enforce the rules. Okay? So, in certain contexts, you're going to have more authority than you do in other contexts. For instance, if, if in, in your home, if you are single and you, you live by yourself, you are the ultimate authority besides God, you are the ultimate authority in your house, right? You don't let other people come in and start rearranging your furniture, right? You're the ultimate authority. But if you're married, now there's joint authority going on. You're sharing authority with your spouse. If you have kids, hopefully you're allowing them authority over their own personal space. You know, when they're little kids, clean up your room, right? But then you allow them, hopefully over time, you train them to take care of their own stuff. Because when they, when they leave and you've done it for them their whole life, they're not going to know how to do it. And so our authority is circumstantial. Authority is environmental, okay? And so humble people understand that Jesus is in charge. Matthew 28, 18, it's called the Great Commission. It's where Jesus sends out his disciples. He says, uh, it says, Jesus came up to the disciples and said to them, all authority, all authority. And the, the, the uh, Amplified says, all rule, All authority and rule, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Okay. Those are the two environments that you need to care about. Heaven, it's your final destination, and earth, which is right now. So no matter where you are as a believer, who is the ultimate authority? Jesus. Jesus is. 
All authority has been given to him. Now, if you were to keep reading, you'll see, he, you'll, you'll see that he says, therefore, go and make disciples, thereby implying that he is giving you his authority to operate in. But it's not your authority, it's you walking in his authority. And so humility requires that you understand Authority. The, the Hebrew word in, in Micah 6 8, where it says walk humbly, the word for humble there, it literally means walk submissively. Walk submissively. I was talking with a friend not too long ago, and, and they, were, they were saying, you know, why is it wrong to act a certain way as long as it's not hurting me or hurting anyone else? Just because the Bible says not to act that way. It's a good question. It's a great question. If the Bible says don't do something, but yet it doesn't seem to be hurting me, and it doesn't seem to be hurting someone else, why can't I do it? Well, that person, and they're a wonderful person, but they don't, they don't understand authority. Because here's the reason, is because you've got to trust that God knows more than you do. You've got to understand that your life on this earth and in heaven as well is under God's authority. You've got to trust that he has, he has your best interest at heart. And so that's why even when you don't understand, you can still follow his directives. Otherwise, is what we know is rebellion. It's rebellion. And, and, and scripture says in one part, 1 Samuel, it says that rebellion is, is as bad as the sin of witchcraft. Many of us, we wouldn't, you know, draw a pentagram on the floor and light candles and start like, Praying to a father. We wouldn't do that. But many of us have rebellion in our hearts. We're okay with that. Same thing. Same thing. We need to be just as repulsed by the rebellion in our own hearts as we would if we walked in on some godless, heathen, satanic seance. Just as repulsed. Just as freaked out by the rebellion in our hearts. Look, you're not always going to be in charge. But here's, but, uh, here's the thing. You don't, you don't want to be. <laughs> you really don't want to be. I've used this example before. How many of you have flown in a plane before? We're, we're this summer, we're going to South Africa, uh, Tiffany and I and Ethan. And it's going to be Ethan's first flight in a plane. And he's just choosing to go 14 hours straight for the first time he's ever been in a plane. It's going to be a great experience for him. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, imagine you're in a plane, and all of a sudden there starts to be a little turbulence, and it starts to move around, right? And you're like, mm. why does that scare you? Because you're out of control. But if you think about it, you don't really want control. What if all of a sudden they said, you're flying the plane now? Whoa. That's even worse. See, control is an illusion. You're not properly equipped to be in control. In life. In the airplane, some of you might be able to fly, but, but, but in life, God is the one who's equipped to be in control. So we don't want to be in charge. When you walk, now, now listen to this, this is the good news. When you walk in Jesus' authority, you will operate under Jesus' power. Amen. When you walk under your authority, you'll only have your own power. And you're not Jesus. I love you, but you're not Jesus. Right? It's better to submit to his authority and have access to his power. Amen? Here's the next way to get over yourself. Walk in meekness. Walk in meekness. 
Yes, meekness. It's like, so we're like we don't even use that word much. And, and I, I don't think most of us really truly understand what meekness. It sounds like weakness because it kind of rhymes with it. It's not, it's not weakness at all. Matthew 5, 5 is the Beatitudes. It says, blessed is or happy is. Happy are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happy or blessed are the meek. All right, now let me define meekness for you real quick. Meekness is freedom restrained by wisdom. Freedom, ability, and power, the ability to do something, the freedom to do something, but it's intentionally restrained by wisdom. In other words, meekness is having the right to do something and intentionally refraining from doing that for the sake of someone else. Now, what's translated meekness in our King James and New King James Bibles is often translated gentleness in uh, some of the newer translations. I like meekness better. If you were to look up Matthew 5, 5 in the New Living Translation, I love that translation, but it says the gentle. I don't like that. Because gentle captures it to a degree. Gentle is, is, is not being harsh. Meekness actually goes one step further. Because meekness is not being harsh when you have every right to be harsh. When no one would get mad at you for being harsh. No one would blame you if you got up in someone's face and just told them off, baby. No one would get mad about that. But you choose not to do it anyway because you're meek. Because you are submitting yourself to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. A good example of this, you remember when Jesus uh, had just been betrayed and he's, he's in the garden and, and he's, he's, he's walking with the soldiers uh, that are taking him into captivity. And he says, if I wanted to, I'm paraphrasing here, if I wanted to, I could call down legions of angels and set myself free in this very moment. And don't you know he could? Don't you know he could? Don't you know he, he's the son of God? He could have done anything he wanted to. He could have really shown those religious people in the Roman government. He could have shown them who was boss. And he was boss. But he was choosing to be meek. He, was, he had the freedom to call down angels and be free. But he didn't do it for the sake of you and me. He was meek. As we embrace meekness, we will be walking in humility. Why? Because meekness says, I could do something, but I won't. I could be justified in doing this. Logically, rationally, I would be justified in this. But I'm not going to unless I hear the explicit command of the Holy Spirit. That's meekness. As we walk in that meekness, we will walk humbly and we won't have to be told, hey, get over yourself, right? Because we're being meek, just like Jesus was. Here's the last way to get over yourself, is embrace service. Embrace a lifestyle of service. Matthew chapter 20. We're going to read a, a whole passage here. We're going to read verses 20 through 28. This is kind of funny. Now, I know none of you moms, how many moms do we have in the house? Yeah, I know none of you moms ever meddle in your kids' business. 
I know you would never do something like that. Well, here, the disciples, two of the disciples, their mom, their brothers, their mom starts meddling. And she starts asking for special favors. Check this out. The mother of James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What's your request? Jesus asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right, the other on your left. (laughs) Meddling mom! Right? She's like, hey, when you rule and reign, now she thought he was going to overthrow the Roman government and be the government for Israel. And so she was saying, hey, let them be your chief of staff and your vice president. All right, that's what she's asking. She's asking for political power here. She's not talking about heaven. All right? She's talking about being in charge. Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. I think it's funny he responds to them, not to the mom. He's like, y'all put your mama up to this? Are you kidding me? (laughs) He responds to them, is what scripture says. He responds to, to the brothers. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We're able. Power makes you hungry. It makes you, it makes you willing to make promises you can't keep. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right and my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he's chosen. And when the ten other disciples heard that James and John had asked... They were indignant. Yeah, of course they were. Like, what the heck, man? We're disciples too. But Jesus called them all together and said, look, now this is important. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. The officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, my people, my disciples, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, referring to himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, y'all got this all wrong. You think that you can get political and, and, and work this out by being political and get your mama to ask questions for you. He goes, you don't understand. In the kingdom of God, down is the way up. In the kingdom of God, the greatest servant is the one with the most honor. If we want to be like Jesus, if we want to walk humbly, we've got to embrace service. The more you serve, the more you look like Jesus. Guys, humility is not just a theory to be understood. It's a lifestyle to be lived. Humility is not just a concept you agree with. Humility is something you do. It's something you do. I encourage you, the more you serve, the more you will look like Christ. So my, my question for you is this. Are you ready to get over your... Oh, let me, let me share one more scripture with you. If you think... This is, this is amazing. There are moments in the Bible where there's such clarity, it's hilarious. It says, if you think you're too important to help someone... You're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. (laughs) It's Galatians 6.3 in the New Living Translation. See, Apostle Paul is like, look, if you think you're too important, too high and mighty in the kingdom of God, to help someone, to do basic service, you're not that important. 
I'll be happy to find someone else who's willing to do whatever. It's super important. And look, the more authority you get in the kingdom, the more authority you have in this church, you better be training yourself to serve. I make a point. If I see trash on the ground, I don't think, well, we have someone for that. I pick it up. I pick. Now, Tiffany claims I can't see trash and stuff on the ground. That may be true. But if I see it, I pick, look, pick it up. Just pick it up. Who cares? We're all servants, right? Just because my, my, my title's got lead in front of pastor, that means I'm number one servant. Right? Y'all, I, I clean the toilets here. I mean, it's not my job. But if the toilet stopped up, man, I can unstop a toilet, y'all. Like, I'm really good at that. I, I, if, if, if the bathroom doesn't look, man, I'll clean it up. Why? Because it's, it doesn't matter. I want to be like Jesus. Every time I do something that the world would consider being beneath me or my position, I'm just earning anointing. Come on. I'm just looking more and more like Jesus. I want that. I want that. And whatever it takes to get it, I don't care. Amen? So my question to you is this. Are you ready to get over yourself? You ready to get over yourself? Let's stand for prayer.